Today, we're going to be going through Galatians. And if you got your Bible, once you grab your Bible, open it up to the book of Galatians, chapter 1. We're going to be moving through it a little bit. If you need one, I'm sure one of our ushers can be more than happy to get you a Bible. Galatians, chapter 1. And I want you to highlight, and I want you to go to a spot that we saw last time, verse 15 of chapter 1. This is his pivot point. Uh, this was the thing that really shook him to the core. He understood something, and we're going to dive deep into that. And this was the grace of God. He understood the grace of, of God. And he says this, verse 15, but when God, would you say that first three words with me? But when God, one more time, we'll get everybody, you online too, maybe you type it out so we can hear you. All right, three, two, one, ready? But when God, this was his, this was his point of hope. He was a, not a very good person. And he says, but when God, who had set me apart, even from my mother's womb, and called me by his grace, he was pleased to reveal his son in me. So that I, Saul of Tarsus, who would later become known as Paul the Apostle, I might preach the gospel to the Gentiles. But this is the thing I don't want you to miss or forget. And we're going to dive deep into right here. He says, I did not immediately consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to the apostles who were before me in Jerusalem, but I went away. He says, I went away to Arabia. And I returned once more to Damascus. Now, when I was telling my kids Paul went to Arabia, they were like, Arabian night. <laughs> I'm like, no, he did not go find some magic carpet and seek Aladdin, okay, type of thing. That's not what he was doing, but he, he, he got away looking for solitude. Now, this is what we're going to title today's message, solitude, very simply put. He went away for solitude. Now, what type of solitude and, and why? Why seek solitude? This was a man who was caught up in, man, he, he was caught up in legalism. He was caught up in Judaism. He was caught up in following 613 laws to the best of the best. He wanted to be on the Sanhedrin court. He wanted to be a part of like the United States Supreme Court. He wanted to be the guy known in everything. And he wanted to try to follow every single thing written in the Old Testament scriptures that we have in our Bible. And he was so on point and on power for it. In fact, he says it this way in Philippians. Stay here, but he says it this way in Philippians 3, 4 through 6. He says, if anyone else has a mind to put confidence in the flesh, he says, I far more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the nation of Israel, the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, as to the law, a Pharisee, as to zeal, a persecutor of the church, as to the righteousness which is in the law, I was found blameless. When I read that, if I'm looking at it at face value, I read a man who's cocky, who's prideful, who's arrogant, who's high and mighty, who, who thinks he's got it all. And literally that's what he's saying in that context. It's like, I knew it all. And by the way, I know a lot of Christians like that. <laughs> I know a lot of non-Christians like that. I know a lot of people who just think like, I got it all. I got this. I know this. And, and they're, they're there. He was a man caught up in this, in this judicious legalistic mindset of following every single thing written in God's word because he wanted to honor God, but yet he had missed the boat. He had missed that Jesus was the fulfillment of all scripture, that Jesus is the coming king that was spoken of in the Old Testament, that Jesus is the Messiah, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, that God has revealed himself, 
to mankind through himself, Jesus. He just revealed himself to us. And man, Paul missed it. So to really get the context of where we're at and unpacking the grace and why he goes to Arabia, we got to see his transformation story. So hit pause in Galatians. We'll come back to it in a second, but go to Acts for me with, with you. To the left, uh, you're in second, you'll see 2 Corinthians, then 1 Corinthians, then this book called Romans, and then you'll hit Acts. Acts chapter 9. And we're going to see the story of Paul's transformation through the lens of a, a physician named Luke, who would write the book of Luke, and, and he would write the, the letter, uh, this book of Acts, and, and it's his, his collection of findings and research that he discovered as he's interviewing people, and he put it all together, and he recounts the story that, that Paul would, would say and describe, and, and those around him, and we want to pick up in chapter 9, verse 1, and we see, it says, now Saul... He's still breathing threats and murder against the disciples of the Lord. You can see this man is intent on killing, all right? It's almost like he was watching a PlayStation video game and he was playing like one of those games, like war games, and he's so intense and he gets done with it. He's like, none of you students know what I'm talking about right now, or a adults. <laughs> he gets so caught up and intense in like these war games. But anyway, he's just so focused on it. And he went to the high priest and he asked for the letters from him to the synagogues at Damascus so that if he found anyone belonging to the way, that the way was the, known as the, the church in those days, that those were Christians, anyone following the way, both men and women, he might bring them bound to Jerusalem. He was on a mission to destroy the church. And as he was traveling, it happened, that he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him, and he fell to the ground, and he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? Now that word Lord in, in, in the text would mean like as a respect of a teacher, a leader. He doesn't believe him to be the Lord of lords, the king of kings at this moment, but he, he's like, who, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. But get up and enter the city, and it will be told you what you must do. The men who traveled with him stood speechless, hearing the voice, but seeing no one. That had to have been pretty freaky, because they, guys, in our day and age, we have speakers, and you're going to like, oh, okay, I've seen a speaker. I get it. No, I, uh, someone must have had their, left their phone on or something like that. There is, there is, there's not even airplanes that fly overhead that hear... Imagine just standing there and you hear, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? That was the best God voice I had. But I don't know, imagine, like it could just, that'd have been trippy. That'd have been, and, and here he stunned Saul. He saw a brilliant light. And for him, Saul got up from the ground, but notice his appearance. It says, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. And leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was there days without sight. And he neither ate nor drank. He, he's, this is the man who is the Hebrew of Hebrews. This is the guy who knows everything. I've got it. I'm in control. I'm the cocky, arrogant one. I'm, I know what I'm doing. And on his way, what he thinks is doing right, God threw him a curveball. He, he flipped him, flipped the script. And he's on his face. He's on the ground, tries to get up, but he, now he's not relying on himself. He can't rely on himself. 
he's humbled and he has to have men gather around him and to escort him, to take him to a place he needs to go. And, and now he's not even, he's just trying to figure this out. He's just fasting, eating nothing, drinking nothing. Well, I love to see what God does as he prepares the way for somebody. When he wants to get a hold of a life, know this. And maybe this is you today. Maybe you are at home. You are trying to just unpack your life and your world. Like, God, is he, is he really there? Is he really ministering to me? You don't know what happens behind the scenes. There is somebody right now God's speaking to about your life. Someone's praying for you because God's put that person on your heart. And that was this man, Ananias, right here in verse 10. It says, now there was a disciple at Damascus, of all places, one of the guys that Saul was on his way to, to kill. His name was Ananias. And the Lord said to him in a vision, Ananias, and he said, here I am, Lord. Now that's a throwback to the Old Testament days of, they would say in Hebrew, Hanani, which means here I am. And uh, Samuel, when he was a young boy, would say, here I am, God, Hanani. Or Isaiah, he told the Lord, Hanani, here I am. Use me, God, go. I'll, I'll go wherever you want me to go. And here you see just another follower of the Lord. He says, Hanani, here I am. Here I am, Lord. And the Lord said to him, get up, go to the street called Straight. Not crooked, go to Straight. And inquire at the house of Judas. For a man from Tarsus named Saul is there, for he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias, that's you, come in and lay hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias said, Lord, wait a minute, I heard of this guy. Many about this man, and in much harm he did in your saints at Jerusalem. And he, and here he has the authority from the chief priest to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he has chosen, he is a chosen instrument of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings of the sons of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for my namesake. And I wonder if Ananias is like, I hope he does suffer. <laughs> you know, it's like, uh, but he's like, are you sure? Like, I get it. I, I would probably ask the same thing. Are you sure you know about this guy? And, and God's like, of course I do. I'm everywhere. I'm before you, behind you. I'm God. He's like, all right. So Ananias, verse 17, notice what he does. He takes a big gulp, breathes, calls all his friends and relatives and says, if I don't come back, let them know. No, it says in verse 17, very simply, so Ananias departed and entered the house and after laying his hands on him, just like he saw in the vision, he says, brother Saul, <laughs> he doesn't say, hey, loser Saul, hey, um, hey, I'll, can, I, can I just say, your friend, hey, brother, brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And I love this phrase, and immediately there fell on his eyes something like scales, and he regained his sight, and he got up and was baptized, and he took food and was strengthened. Oh, what a, what a beautiful story to see if all transformations, all conversions, all people who came from death into life, who became born again as the... the John would talk about, as he records Jesus' statement, that for the wages, for, for God so loved the world that anyone who believes in him would have everlasting life. They wouldn't perish, and they would be born again anew. And here you see it, like scales falling from his eyes. He becomes whole again. This, this story, this moment in his life just propelled him. It changed him. 
Paul would record it this way. Hey, do me a favor. Go, go to your right in Acts. Acts chapter 22. Look at, that was Luke's account. Look at Acts chapter 22. And, and Paul is going to share it through his lens. And, and he says it this way in, in verse 11. He says, but since I could not see because of the brightness of that light, I was led by the hand of those who were with me and came to Damascus. And, and a certain man, Ananias, and he, he'll never forget this dude. He says to him, he says, a man who was devout by the standard of the law and well spoken of by all the Jews who lived there. He came to me standing near and he said to me, notice what he says. He says, what? Brother Saul. Don't miss this. First introduction into Christianity. First introduction into welcoming someone into their life, into their family, into their home. And wow, this really spoke to him. It ministered to him. Imagine if Ananias would have said to him, you jerk of a man who killed my brother in Jerusalem. No, praise God, he said, brother, hey friend, brother. Receive your sight. And at that very time, I looked up at him. And this would be the first things that he's seen. And he said, the God of our fathers has appointed to you to know his will and to see the righteous one and to hear an utterance from his mouth. For you will be a witness for him. To all the men who are of what you have seen and heard, now, why do you delay? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins, calling on his name. I love this. This, this beautiful old man. I get a picture of like, you know, like a just a friendly old guy with Werther originals had him out like he's about to pass out candy to him or something. And he's just, just this cute dude. And he just stands right before him and he looks up and he says, Brother Saul, God has a destiny, a plan for you as a purpose and a future and a hope in your life. You are not who you once were. You now are a child of God. And I want you to know God has got a mission for you. And by the way, why are you sitting? Get up. You know what you need to do. Go get baptized. Go cleanse yourself and, 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 and work in, in the life of Jesus Christ. Amen. What are you waiting for? It's like, you know. You know, Saul, what you got to go do. Go do it. And he got this guy to just, just spur him on. Now, you would think any other person, most likely all, all of us, we all have these crutches. We all have these crutches. And, we, and I, and I want to show you a crutch right now. I want to show you your crutch, all right? Turn to the left and to the right. Just turn your faces online. Maybe you're looking when your people. Go turn to the left, turn to the right. Do you see the people next to you? Those are your crutches. Okay, now why do I say they're crutches? Now why would I even go that far? Because most of us, when we have a conversion story, a transformation, we need help, we're looking for help, we go to one another. We go to maybe you online, you're going to Facebook right now, you're on Twitter, you're going to Instagram and want to find some help. You go to your different places, we find answers. But what does Paul do, or that day, Saul, what does he do for help? Well, in Galatians chapter 1, verse 16, he says, I did not consult with flesh and blood, nor did I go up to the apostles before me, but I went away to Arabia. I went away for not one day, three days. I went for three years. I was there for three whole years. That's over a thousand days, 1,095 to be exact, if he's there the whole time. He found something and he wanted to go and find 
peace of mind, solitude. He wanted to find understanding of reckoning because he was once this guy caught up in law and legalism and now he's been forgiven? Like, I need to do something. I need to go do something. In the law of God, in the law, you, you had to do things in order to even bring a sacrifice before God to receive forgiveness of sins. But here he's been forgiven on, not on the basis of anything that he would ever do. That's why he would write in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, I, I have, I'm not saved by works. I'm saved by grace and grace alone. It's a gift that God deserve, gives. And I don't deserve it, but yet he gives it to me. He would say in Romans 5, Paul would write this letter in 5.15. He says, it's a free gift. The wage of my sin is ugly. It's dirty. It's, it deserves death. But there is a free gift of God, which is found in Jesus Christ. And, and this is messing it up, his mind up. And he's got to go get away. Now, why does he go get away? Because he doesn't rely on a crutch of a person, but he relies on the, on the substance and source to lean on. And that is this right here. Everybody, you got your Bible, your phone on, on your phone or your, your Bible in your hand. Would you put it up for a minute? Put it up for me. Put it up for me. This is your crutch. This is what you lean on. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Keep it up. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not lean on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge him. Lean on him. He will make your path straight. The word of God is like a torch, a flashlight. Jesus would use it as a lightsaber when he would battle the devil in the, in the wilderness. Here, he uses this as his identity to find who he is. It, it opened up his mind and he took it. This was the word of God. This was going to be the B-I-B-L-E and that was going to be the book for me. He was going to stand upon this word of God, the I was hoping you'd say it with me, the B-I-B-L-E. Okay, so none of you grew up in church. I get that. And, and, and this is why, because now he gets to this point, because in Galatians chapter one, and you, you can see it in, in, in verse 10, he, he says like, guys, listen, I am not longer like seeking the favor of men. Am I? Or am I seeking God's favor? I'm not anymore gonna try to strive to please men, but... Because if I was trying to please men, I would not, he would say, I would not be a bondservant of Christ. Like, what happens? How does that happen? How does that change a man's mind? And it happens because he gets away. He chooses to pull back, to pull back from who he once was. And he discovered in the word of God, the promises of scripture, this identity, this is a treasure trove of who we are in Christ. Now, how often, how many of us get away to find solitude? To make Jesus our solitude. To allow him to speak into our lives and just letting some post, some blog, some news article, some, some person speak into our lives. But what if, what if God could just, you could just spend some time alone with God and allow him to speak with you? He was taking Bible characters. He remembered Moses. That's right, Moses. He fled Egypt and he went away into the desert, into the wilderness to understand some purpose and identity in him. He understood Elijah, how he, how he had to flee and go away and go up into the mountaintops in, the, in, in Sinai. And then even Jesus, I, he knew the story of Jesus walking in the wilderness for 40, 40 days. He knew about those times. He probably spoke to Nathaniel. Heard of Nathaniel's story, how he was underneath some tree just spending time alone with Jesus, with God. God just wants alone time with you. 
And there, I can just imagine in, in the depths of a cleft of a rock in Arabia, maybe hanging out with the shepherds and, 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 and chilling with the sheep, just listening. I wonder if the fragrance and compassion of God's unlimited grace just blew by. If the beauty of God's holiness astounded him in such a way where he saw the face of God. I wonder if the gentle breeze breathed new life and vitality into this man. Just to be alone with him, alone with God, would bring him strength to stand. To stand and, and to know like the, the wonder and power of God. Because he was going to be this man that would say this line. Philippians 3, 7 through 11 says it this way. He says, I once thought those things of being legalistic, following the laws of Judaism was a thing of the, the great. He says, but now I consider it worthless because of what Christ Jesus has done. Yes, he says, everything else is worthless. Everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Did you catch that? Everything else is worthless. The new cars, the stuff, a, a status, a, an image to be known by this person and that person as such and such, as this this. You know what? Everything else, that is worthless. I don't need to be the Hebrew of Hebrews. I don't need to be a, a Sanhedrin guy. I don't need to be a Pharisee. You know what I just find completeness in? You know, find rest in, find hope in, find love and joy in? I find it in J-E-S-U-S. I find my life it's fixated. It's found in Jesus. He found hope in Jesus. He found grace in Jesus. He discovered love in Jesus. He found peace in Jesus when he met Jesus. He says, for his sake alone, I have discarded everything else, counted it all as garbage, so that I could gain Christ and became one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. Rather, I became, I've become righteous through faith in Christ. For God's way of making us right with himself depends on faith. I want to know Christ and experience the mighty power that raised him from the dead. I want to suffer with him. <laughs> How many of you want to do that? Amen to the one person who raised your hand in here. All right. Maybe you did online. All right. I want to suffer with him, sharing in his death. So that one way or another, I will experience the resurrection of the dead. He would say, tell the same church, to live with Christ is good, but to die, oh, that's gain. I'll go through it. I'll consider it all the costs. Now, what would do it? What would do it? To me, it was him saying, time out, pause. I need to spend some time with you, Jesus. There was a song when I was in high school I loved to sing. It was, um, he says this about solitude, the songwriter. He says, help me make adjustments to my attitude. Search my heart, even the longitude and the latitude. In all your way, Lord, I want to give this very life. Help me find a way to even end this inner strife. Because it's you, Lord, that I'll find solitude. He says, alone with you, my spirit sings and songs and longs and groans for you. It's on my needs. It's on my knees I need already known to you. 
So at your throne, I freely give my life. Somehow I just know that, God, you can make all things right. Please let me come to you, for you are my solitude. And at the end, he says, now I'm renewed. It's funny. It's interesting. It's when we get away, when we just spend some time with Jesus, we find that I am renewed, that my spirit comes alive in a drive of great gratitude. I'm searching for a way to repay and even honor you. Oh, Father, I want to give you this very life and this melody that's springing up deep inside. Lord, please let me come and run to you for you are my solitude. If God could just change the latitude and longitudes of our direction in our life, you know what? He really wants to, but we just got to come and seek him and find him and be at rest in him. Do you know how many times in scripture it says rest, wait, and hurry? You ever just wonder, like, you're, I, how many of you have been in a hurry just to get to church today? Anybody get to, in a hurry? Church today? All right. Praise God you're here. I'm glad you didn't break any speed limits. Uh, you're probably on your way, maybe a hurry to work sometimes or a hurry to school. I know every morning it seems like uh, kids never, the kids, I, I'm one of those kids. Okay, let's be real. Uh, we, it seems like everybody wants to sleep in on school days, but nobody ever wants to sleep in on the days we don't have school. I, I don't understand that, never will, uh, just this thing. So we find ourselves always in a hurry, always running, always trying to get to the next place. But you know what? How many times in Scripture it says the word hurry? It says it 19 times, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. But it says the word wait 142 times and rest 519. It's interesting. David would write it this way. One thing I ask for the Lord and that I only seek that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. If I could just find rest and peace, I would just gaze on your beauty in the Lord and to seek him at his temple. He would later say, rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him, Psalm 37, 7. He would say, my soul waits in silence for God only, for my hope is in him. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty, Psalm 91.1. And Isaiah 40, 31 would say, yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. Actually, would you read this out loud with me? I, I, let's all, we got it on the screen. You got it at home. Let's look at it together. Let's read it out loud. Three, two, one. Yet those who wait for the Lord will gain new strength. They will mount up with wings like eagles. They will run and not get tired. They will walk and not become weary. Do you see a theme here for those who are in Christ Jesus, those who follow Jesus? There is a source of strength. There is a source of hope when we just choose to wait and rest and go find solitude. Just waiting on him. Isaiah 49, 23 would say this way, those who hopefully wait for me will not be put to shame. And even Hosea would write, wait for your God continually. Man, I, if we could just wait, I, I get a, a picture that he went to the refuge, a strength, a very present help in time of need. And boy, if there was a time in Saul's life that needed time of need, it was coming to seek forgiveness and identity and purpose. I was a killer, and now I've been forgiven? 
How? And he looked back and forth, and then he probably ran across that verse in Psalm 46.10 where he says, but just be still, Saul, and know I'm God. I'm God over your life, and I want to speak into you. There is so much hope and, and love that is found in me. To have Jesus is, is, is so great. And so many of us, truly, I, I begin to think, I, I know, I, I've been there. I feel like, I think we've all been there. We all want to be known by somebody or something. We need name recognition and stuff like that. But you know what Jesus wants for you and I in him? He wants to just to have substance in you and character built within you. And that only happens when we choose to wait and be patient and we go through the things that he wants us to. So this is our starting point that I want us all to do right now. Everybody pull out your phone. If you're at home, you've already a head start. Everybody got your phone? This is, this is our starting point. I want you, please, please, I don't mean to be demanding here for a second. But if you could, pull out your phone, go to your timer or your calendar, uh, whatever works for you, or your clock on there. And uh, on mine, see, I've got, the, I've got these different alarms. And I want you to set an alarm. Schedule time. See, God scheduled a time when he thought of you and he saw you and he made you in your mother's womb and he was creating you. He's been spending every day of his entire existence and he'll never not living or keep going because he's, Jesus is like the everlaster, everlasting energizer bunny. Sorry, it was 80s night. It was stuck in my head. But he's the alpha, the omega, the beginning and the end. He's going to keep on keeping on. And because he is God, he's always spending time with you. And I want you to schedule right now on your phone, put a time to make an appointment with God. It's so easy. We make appointments with somebody else. I meet you at the coffee shop. I'll, I'll meet you at, at your friend's house. We're going to go have tea together. We're going we're gonna to do this and this at this place. We've got to be a part of this ministry and that thing. And we're doing so much, but never just spending time out with Jesus. And here, can we learn something from Saul? Because Saul would leave the Arabian Nights and he would come back home, actually to his hometown in, in Tarsus. And he would begin preaching and teaching Jesus. And you know what they kept hearing about him? The man who once tried to persecute the church, who tried to destroy it, they kept hearing that he who once persecuted is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And now they were glorifying God because of this man, Paul. Wait a minute, not because of Paul. It was because of God. What God done in his life. They were glorifying God because of what God had done in Paul's life. And it happened, it happened when he got away, when he made some time to get away with the Lord. We don't need to hurry and stress and try to figure out life. You know what we need to do? We just need to slow down and hit pause and allow Jesus to speak into your life, to fill your life. Listen to how Jesus said it this way, Matthew 6, 31 through 33. He says, don't worry about these things, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above else and live righteously, and he will give you everything you need. He will give you everything you need. What we need to do as followers of Jesus is to rest in him. You know, the word rest in Hebrew means manua. Would you say it with me? Manure, it sounds like manure, I know, it's not, okay? But, but rest is like that joyous repose, tranquility, it's delightful. You see, that was the, the 
oh, how would you say it? The, the capstone of creation, rest. Six days, God's created in the world, but on the seventh, he, he rested. The very, like, capstone of it, like, check this out, guys. You know what I want you to do? I've done it all. Hey, you've just been made. Here's the first thing I want you to do. Rest. Rest in me. Why? Because in me, you're going to find out who you are. In me, you're going to discover your purpose, your identity. If there's an identity crisis in this world, it's because we forgot who we are in Christ Jesus. And as a child of God, you cannot forget you have an Abba Father that cries, you, there's something deep within you that cries, Abba, Daddy, Father, I need you now more than ever. And we just got to pause and go to the Father and spend some time with Him and get connected with Him and find rest in Him. That, it's that idea, it, it really means this in the Hebrew, that God didn't... Rest in the sense of taking a nap or chilling out. Instead, God celebrated and delighted in his creation. So imagine if we could just for a moment, just to pause and reflect and celebrate Jesus. Celebrate him in our life. And some of you might be looking on the outside, looking in like, why should I even be in a relationship with Jesus? What does Jesus have to offer me? Listen, everything in the world will tell you you got to do this, 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 and this, and you can find joy and happiness. Or, but none of that will last. It's all fleeting. Every one of us have this God-shaped hole within our lives, and we need hope. There's only one person that fills it, and it's not a boyfriend or a girlfriend. It's not a drug, an alcohol, beverage. It's, it's not a, a relationship or a status on Facebook or Twitter. It is simply Jesus. Everything else is worthless. But the peace of God that can surpass all understanding is found in Jesus, in Jesus and Him alone. And He just wants us to come away and get with Him. This is, a, you see that on the screen right there? See that right there? That is a, four things that Jesus wants us to do. And I want to take you there to uh, your Bibles. Could you turn to the left with me and uh, Mark? Mark chapter 6 for a moment. And we'll unpack this together as we see this. There's probably two examples in Scripture that uh, really speak this out a lot. Um, Mark chapter 6 is where we'll look at first. Mark 6. And I want you to look at verse 31, 30 with me. They had just lost a friend, John the Baptist. He had just died. He was beheaded. And uh, they were about to go on a mission trip to go. And they, what they didn't know, they were going to be feeding 5,000 people and plus. And, and uh, the apostles gathered together with Jesus and they reported to him. All that he had done and taught, says there in verse 30 of chapter 6 in Mark and then it says in verse 31, and Jesus said to them, this is what I want you to do. Come away by yourselves to a secluded place and rest a while. You want to highlight, circle, underline? Would you underline those four things that Jesus tells them to do? Number one, he says, come away with me. Today, don't delay. Please listen to the voice that I have for you. Because some of you right now in this room, you've actually questioned your own identity, your life. Should I keep living? And you probably thought of ways to end it. 
But Jesus would say, and he's offering and he's inviting everybody to the table and he's saying, come away with me right now. Come away. Secondly, by yourself. Come alone. Go alone. Don't need a group of friends. I don't know why. To this day, can you girls tell me why do girls go in pairs to the bathroom? Why? I never invite J-Dub, dude. Let's go, let's go to the bathroom right after this together. We'll go look at our faces together. I don't understand. Listen, God wants you to go away by yourself for just a moment. And, and, and some of you moms, single moms, or, or just moms, are just, you're just, you are the anchor of that household. So many kids running around, you can't even find time to yourself. So you go to your bathroom and shut the door, sit on your toilet and just put on earbuds and just cry and scream. Or I don't know. I don't know what it's like. That's solitude. That's a place of refuge. Just tell everybody, just don't talk to me right now. I'm just in the bathroom. I just need to be alone. Maybe some of you dads, you're coming home from work or mom's coming home from work and you just got to pull up in the driveway and you just sit in the car for just a moment, spend five minutes before you walk in the house and just say, God, speak to me. I, I want to make a time with you right here, right now. I just need to come away by myself. Make it secluded. He says right there, to a secluded place. Go away to a secluded place and just be alone with him. And then stay put. Abide. You know, Jesus had one line. He, he would say, like, abide in me and I in you because apart from me, you can do absolutely nothing. So I don't even know why you're trying to do stuff without me. So I just want you to stay put and abide. Rest right in here with me. Four simple things he says to do. Come away by yourself. Get secluded. Come to this solitude and just wait on me. Wait on me. The other one was Mary and Martha. I'll just tell you the story. Martha is so busy. She invited Jesus over to the house. It was her fault to begin with. And she invites Jesus over and, and she's like, Jesus, tell, tell, tell Mary to, to start doing stuff. And he won't do it. He won't do it because he's like, Martha, Martha. I always want to say Marsha, Marsha, but Martha, Martha. He's like, why, why? Why are you so busy, concerned about these things? It's gonna be there. You're still gonna have to do the dishes, still gonna do everything else. Can you just hit pause for a moment? The most important thing is standing right before you. And Mary sees it and it's just sitting at the feet of Jesus. It took three years, 1,095 days for Saul of Tarsus to become Paul the apostle. For a man to walk in legalism, he discovered grace forgiveness, accept us, purpose, and identity. And he wants that for every single one of us in this room. And I'd like to invite you to that. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, we come before you. We thank you for this day, this moment, this time. It is appointed by you. It is driven by you because you are delighted to bring us into the throne room to experience you, Jesus. Lord, I want to thank you for you never stopping on us, for you never relenting on us, that you just actually have been calling us and inviting us like you did the disciples to just come away with you by ourselves to listen, to hear from you, 
may we not leave or go astray, but may we rest in you and find purpose, find our identity. Teach us to do that as a habit, as a follower of you, Jesus. And maybe there are those in this room right now, maybe watching online, you just need hope. You need Jesus. I would like to invite you today just to receive, just, you know, Jesus is asking you to come away with him. He's been inviting you to make today the day of salvation. And he wants to give you that identity and purpose right where you're at. He offers a gift called grace, eternal life. It's purpose and identity, and it's found only in him. Would you pray this prayer with me by receiving that gift of salvation? Just say, dear God, I believe in you. I believe this day that you died for my sins. And three days later, you rose from the grave. And because you live, Lord, I want to live for you. Thank you, Jesus, for loving me right where I'm at and accepting me just as I am. Fill me with your love today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's thank the Lord for today, His Word.